0: Hello, today is Monday, August 20th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Welcome to Monday, folks. I hope the weekend treated you well, and I hope the week itself has good things in store for you. Today, we're going to be airing the last of our series of interviews from PixelPop St. Louis 2018. This is a festival that is meant to combine the experience of a more developer-centric event where devs can meet each other and share information and talks about their craft, and also a more public-facing event, where people can come to the game floor and play games they wouldn't have heard about before, and otherwise just take part in their local video game community. It's run by Carol Mertz and Mary McKenzie, who you've heard here on Intelligame Radio and in the Intelligame Podcast before, and it's one of my favorite shows of the year. It gives me a chance to come back to the Midwest and also just kind of dial into. A lot of what makes the homegrown game community really strong. These three interviews are conducted with folks who are taking their games really seriously and put together projects that I was really impressed by on the show floor. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to interview everybody I would have wanted to, but I do think that you should check out some of these games and otherwise just generally check out. The pixel pop website so that you can see the other games that were showcased there too there's something about attending a small local game conference that just oh it just feels really good to see people who care about their craft who are working on making this little piece of magic a reality it it's just fantastic so I hope you enjoy these interviews. You're gonna hear three of them, and then we're gonna go ahead and wrap up for the day. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, you can shoot them over to podcast at Intelligame.us, or of course, hit us on social media at intelligameus. All right, so I'm here at Pixel Pop St. Louis, and I just got done playing uh, one of the storylines in Confessions of an NPC. I'm here with the creator. If you want to introduce yourself, uh, a little bit of your background.
1: Okay, I'm Charles Hans Huang. I am a web game developer at Scholastic, and I also make independent narrative
0: games on the side. And I also run GDC on Party. So we'll definitely talk about GDC on Party because okay. that was one of my favorite parts of GDC. But okay, great. Uh, but you yeah you to, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've made your way all the way from New York out here to St. Louis. Um, tell me a little bit about the game and what inspired you to create it. Conventions of NPC is a game where you uh, interview
1: six different characters in this like fantasy sci-fi world that kind of have analogs to like modern-day American conflicts, and it's also made in Twine. And um, yeah. yeah, that's so, like a quick summary. Yeah.
0: Okay. So for folks who might not be super familiar, what's Twine, and what are the advantages of creating a game in Twine?
1: Okay, so Twine is a hyperlink-based uh, web game engine. Basically, it like uh, abstracts out a lot of programming, so like, uh, it was kind of responsible for this like Twine revolution a couple of years ago. That's that was like pretty prominent amongst like uh, the community there, and, like it just made it more accessible for a lot of content creators to make games. And as a result, we heard like a lot of voices from like marginalized folks. Um, that movement's kind of like died down a bit over time. But uh, but it's kind of like had spiritual successors from there. I was interested in Twine because of like its accessibility, and like, I'm I'm a programmer by background, but I also like, when I get home, like I want to be I want for this project, I wanted to be able to just dive into like, the what, was interesting to me at the time, which was like the stories I want to explore with confessions
0: of an NPC. So each of these different NPCs, there are five different or six different characters, yeah, and. Like, the- Yeah, like there's
1: five main ones, and then sixth is the concluding one, which has like a lesser story, but like five are the main ones, and total is six, so yeah. Yeah.
0: What gave you the idea to put this particular story together? In the storyline that I played, there were definite analogues to issues that have taken place in society with folks who have been discriminated against based on race, um, all sorts of, of other societal parallels.
1: So, with this game, it started off, yeah, to answer one of your previous questions and going back to that, um, it started off with just getting out of the air like, oh, what if like you had like these characters that you normally expect from in a fantasy setting, and then you just made them like more realistic and more intense and more interesting, and then, as I was exploring those characters, like adding some, taking some away, and like exploring different themes, like it just gradually evolved into like the stuff that was on my mind at the time which was around like 2015 2016 and naturally and like that naturally lent itself to a more political angle and uh, as certain stories got more serious I realized I wanted to do more research and explore like more serious themes and it sort of evolved over time into like what it is now which is exploring these kinds of like serious themes in like uh, modern America so yeah.
0: I feel like your general aesthetic or your, your general Feeling and approach is, is actually very feeling-centric and about getting to sort of the core of interactions between people. And it feels like a little bit of what GDC On Party is also about. Can you talk a little bit about, and, and maybe I'm stepping out of line here, but can you talk a little bit about GDC On Party and sort of what guides your creation process? So creation process and
1: GDC On Party and maybe how they like intertwine maybe Um, So, well, with GDC on Party, like, that started off as just, like, people interacting on the GDC mobile app, which had its own, like, built-in social media network for whatever reason, which was (laughs) kind of cool. And then it was like, oh, there's just, oh, you're at GDC? I'm at GDC? Like, yeah, we wish there was a party that wasn't just about, like, loud music and drinking and, like, you know, it's hard to have a conversation and a lot of people, and it turned out a lot of other people at GDC wanted to have that conversation that wasn't being had at GDC. And then as we've, that that discussion continued, like more people were like, hey, why don't we like start our own thing? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And it's like, okay, but what about that? And then like, I was like, okay, I suggested like a couple cafes. Like, okay, you they're like, pick a place. I'm like, okay, here's these places. And then they're like, okay. We're going to this one at this time. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then that, and then people showed up for that, and it was like, oh, cool. There's a couple people. Like, that's weird. And then, oh, that, a couple more people. And then a whole crowd of people came. Really, like, and it's going to close soon. And then we went to this hotel lobby, and then they brought out drinks, and we're like, oh, who's this for? And they're like, this is for you. And it, do we have to pay? I was like, no, it's free. And huh. and then like a singer came out, and it was pretty crazy. And then like the next year, it was like. Uh, who's going to run this? And I was like, who's going to run this, guys? Who's going to do it? And like, they're like, I don't know. And it's like, okay, I guess that means nephew. it's me. And then one thing led to another, and I got a venue for it, and then a bunch of people showed up for that. And then this year, we were like, okay, let's actually plan this out. And then it, like, a lot of it was just word of mouth. Like, And the way that relates to like how I had this kind of philosophy behind it was that like, I had been reading uh, Susan Cain's book, uh, Quiet, The Power of Introverts, In it, she talks about how America is like a very Western, extrovert-oriented kind of culture that's based around like meeting lots of people and loud music and like high stimulus. There's a whole section of the population, like 50% pretty much, that's not about that, even though our culture is so based around that. So I realized that there's like kind of like this untapped market and also kind of like my own interest in it. So I kind of had this intuition. If I just created this space for people who wanted to talk about things... And create an environment that was welcoming to them. There could be that potential there, and we've been seeing that. Um, so, how does that tie to my aesthetic with like feelings <laughs> and emotions? Um, I guess like I'm not a big violence in games kind of person, or I I, I like that sometimes. And like I certainly like that when I was younger. But as I've grown up and like mellowed out a bit more, I feel like it's more interesting to explore things that are about human emotion and more nuanced kind of experiences about human existence and um, more interesting questions that I feel like I wish uh, games explored more. So yeah, the games I've been making have been kind of going on those lines. And then my talk at Pixel Pop about humanistic game design is, was kind of like a summary of my philosophy that I started back in 2014, and then I spoke about it again last year, and then I've spoken again about it this year, so sure.
0: yeah. So. I think that ties into this. You know, you live and are based out of New York, but you're here in St. Louis for Pixel Pop. Do you feel like there's a difference in sort of the scenes, a difference in being at this particular show as opposed to other shows you've been to?
1: Well, like I I guess I can even just start with how I was just navigating the city because, like, I'm from New York and it's like really loud and noisy and like people like everywhere. Whereas, like, as soon as I got off, got out of the airport. Like I was on the train, and then the conductor, like the train was just pulling in at like one mile per hour, and I'm like, whoa, this is—they're just taking t- their time here. And the conductor was changing seats, and I was like, just, do do, do 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 do. I'm just gonna head over, and then like, you know, in New York, it's like, what are you doing? Like you gotta get on things. <laughs> and like, then she's like, oh, have a nice day, everyone. Have a good one. Hey, good to see you. And like, it's like. <laughs> people are so friendly. You're just like the conductor. Like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Generally, like, people, like, I've, even, like, people I've been talking to have been showing here has been, like, everyone's pretty happy that, like, we've people who are out of town have come here. And, like, um, it's, like, pretty, like, inviting and, like, uh, uh, lower, lower stress, I guess, compared yeah. to, like, other festivals. Yeah. GDC is, like, more developer-oriented compared to, like, a lot of festivals. But at the same time, even that's, like, feels like it has this feeling of, like, a big noisy uh, environment that's like and like people are like oh here's my business card here's my... there's literally one time this past like last year's gdc where someone's like they didn't say anything they're like here's my business card and then they walked away and i was like we didn't even have a conversation like i don't even know anything about you like, that was like the first time i'd ever gotten that and but like i think like gdc and like kind of big conferences kind of just instill this kind of sense in people and sets a certain tone whereas here it's like oh how's it going Let's have a chat, you know, so, yeah.
0: Cool. What else are you working on in the future, and like, how can folks find you if they're looking for you or your work? Um, so what am I working
1: on in the future? I don't have a game project lined up right now, but uh, I have some things in mind. But uh, the next project is uh, Friendship Garden. Uh, that's uh, I'm working on a mega booth at Y C for marginalized game developers. And I'm hoping that it'll take off. It's like our first time doing it. Oh, wow, it sounds really cool. So it's a, it's a lot of work. And um, we're, it's going to be a lot of work. And uh, we're ha- we have high hopes for it. Just hoping it'll work out. And uh, people will be able to find me at my website at uh, charleshanshuang.com. They can also find me on Twitter at Charles H. Huang. That's C-H-A-R-L-E-S-H, then another H-U-A-N-G. And, um, and then you can also email me at contact at Yeah, Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for bringing your game. And thank you for putting together GDC on Party. Just like you said, it was nice to have a space that was a little, a little more decompressed. So yeah. Great. Yeah, Thank you so much. Yeah. I just got done playing Chroma, which is a mobile puzzle game. It has sort of a, a mellow aesthetic, but does have a, leaves you with a, a peaceful feeling. Standing here with the creator, if you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about Chroma. Uh, I am uh, That
2: Owl Guy, or uh, Sebastian Cooper. I'm the creator of the aforementioned game Chroma. And uh, happy to say whatever you <laughs> want to know about it.
0: Sure. So tell folks a little bit about how the game works. It is
2: a color-matching puzzle game that teaches you how light and space works. So you are taking different chromosphere pieces and sort of slingshotting them at each other and at the targets to make the appropriate uh, color. So if you're making, uh, I guess... um, cyan, you mix green and blue. And if you're going to make a yellow, you're mixing red and green. If you're uh, making magenta, you're mixing red and blue, which may sound a bit weird, but it's based off of additive light as opposed to pigment light that we're used to. So your primary colors aren't red, yellow, and blue. It's red, green, and blue because that's
0: how light wavelengths actually work. So yesterday when I played Chroma, you... Have this sort of mentality of saying, if you are having a problem with the game, it, it's my fault as a designer. This game is meant to show you how smart you are, and that's not a challenge. I feel like that's different than what I've heard on a lot of show floors and sort of that idea of being a, a proactive or like player-centric developer. Tell me a little bit about how you came up with this this mentality, this idea.
2: Uh, okay,
0: so uh, as of
2: May this year, I graduated from college. I majored in philosophy and virtual narrative and design. That's One other major, not two, so I was a double major, not a triple major. And in that, I wrote an essay detailing out an empathetic design process. Because one thing I noticed about game design when you look at the obvious rates, whether it be uh, Minitaka, hi, is it Minitaka, Hayao Miyazaki? Nah, not, that's not the right one. <laughs> uh, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto uh, and other big profile uh, game designers, uh, even though they don't say they specifically employ empathy, when they talk about their design, they talk specifically about player expectations, how the player is going to feel. And it's very player-centric because that's what you're making it for. So I started thinking that I need to approach game design, not just as trying to build uh, an engaging system, but as a platform to cultivate a relationship between the developer and the player. So uh, as being, I guess, the arbiter of how that relationship plays out, because I'm, I guess, making the link between those two uh, parties uh, by being a game designer and being a game developer, uh, it's sort of my responsibility to make sure that space is solid enough for a
0: good experience to happen. Cool. So in Chroma, you, created you've done the whole thing right you've created the music you put together the actual programming tell me a little bit about the process of learning the skills that you needed to be able to make this game in terms of learning it's
2: a bit difficult to talk about because i did definitely learn how to do certain things uh in this game that i haven't for previous sort of projects my sort of way of learning how to do programming and learning how to do design is sort of over a very long period of time. I started learning very slowly and very badly when I discovered Unity in middle school. By the time I got to college, I got more serious about making my programming better and took some classes and by the end of it, I had uh, weasled in or enmeshed game design and uh, game design philosophies into my education. Uh, so it's sort of a cumulative thing to talk about specific things that I need to learn to do like right at the moment of designing something specifically Uh, Just being good at researching things online is the best skill you could have for game development today since there's a lot of information available. And the next best thing, or maybe the better thing, is just life experience uh, in general because you don't know what you're going to be inspired
0: by, whether they're good or bad experiences uh, when making games. So what was it then, what was the experience that steered you towards making Chroma? The beginning
2: of Chroma What inspired me was wanting to just be better at game design, so I knew that as a single developer, as a solo developer, in the past I realized I had grandiose ideas of the game I wanted to make that was not tempered by the knowledge that the games I usually played were made by 100-man teams at the least in the AAA space. So looking at more indie games, enjoying those more, and realizing I had to pare things down uh, while keeping an interesting possibility space for designing. So I thought that color matching might be a good place to go and that while it's a cutthroat market now uh, in the mobile marketplace because it's just oversaturated would be an understatement to say how many games are in the mobile marketplace, whether it's iOS or Google Play Store. Uh, Being able to at least self-publish and have it out there, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of money or gets into a lot of hands, was something that was feasible, and I felt that after I had the basic conceit of using light in this sort of way, a lot of things opened up. I just ended up discovering new ways and new mechanics uh, that helped express these ideas of how light works and how space acts when it's not euclidean or regular space as
0: we experience it every day sure so what's the plan for chroma in terms of its development where people or when people would be able to find it
2: um you can see development updates uh for chroma by following me on twitter at that owl guy otherwise you can go on my site for other information concerning that and other stuff i do in terms of when it will be done I am thinking that it will probably be finished at the latest, if it's on the trajectory it's in now, before spring of 2019. This is subject to change because I'm finding out a lot of new stuff, even here at a Pixel Pop Fest, about marketing and about uh, publisher stuff and all that. So a lot of things are sort of up in the air and I'm discovering exactly what will need to be done to make sure that the game is in the best position it can be.
0: Tell me a little bit about demoing here at Pixel Pop Fest. Have you shown it other shows before? Uh, this is my first time showing. I was actually almost like deathly
2: afraid when I first came in. Because uh, when you think about it, it's it's especially with my whole focus being revealing and talking more about the emotive side of game development. Whatever art you're doing the first time or maybe anytime you're expressing yourself publicly in front of so many people, it's a bit nerve-wracking because it's a sort of vulnerable space you're putting yourself in. it's like worried that people might not like it. Maybe I've been working on it too long and it's just complete utter garbage, but I don't know because I've just been looking at it for a long time. Sort of getting myself worked up thinking about it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it turns out people like it. There are some flaws, but there are flaws that I can fix and in spite of some minor bugs, people like it in spite of that. So I'm, I'm confident to say that I have a solid base. There's a good design space uh, for finishing up the game and I feel as if I take the criticism I've gotten and compliments into consideration today that this is going to be a great game that a lot of people will enjoy. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your
0: time and thanks for showing here at Pixel Pop. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Hey, this is Josh. I am here at Pixel Pop St. Louis uh, 2018. I am standing in front of a new game to me, but in front of an old friend. Uh, I just played StarCrossed, which is a currently two-player cooperative game, uh, sort of an arcade pong-esque shooter. It's, it's really cool. Um, you folks want to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about the game?
3: Yeah, so hi, my name is Francesca. Um, I am one of the co-founders of Contigo Games. We're the studio behind StarCrossed. The game is a two-player collaborative um, arcade shoot-'em-up about magical girls in space.
4: Hello, I'm Michael Flood. I'm one of the programmers and designers and also co-founder of Contigo Games. So tell me a little bit about what inspired the design for StarCrossed.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like we were all really inspired um, by just like other like couch co op games that we really liked and we would love to see more of that, just people coming together and playing games together within the same space. So we started thinking like if we were to design a game from the ground up to be collaborative and like something that you would wanna get together with somebody and, and, and play together, what would that look like? What would the mechanics look like? And we kind of started designing from there.
4: Yeah, so when we started Contigo, we started brainstorming a bunch of different ideas, um, and every idea we came up with was, end up being a local co-op game. <laughs> so it's like, I guess that's what we're rolling with for our company.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, why the magical girl element?
3: I think there should be more pink and sparkly things in games. <laughs> it's, it's honestly like, it's not an aesthetic that you, you see so much. Um, and I think when, when we started this company, we want to make sure that we're making games where everyone feels welcome, and everyone feels like there's something in the game for them. Some people who are just really into like hardcore, like going for like high scores and like they get really competitive about the game, we have mechanics that are there to challenge them. And for people who are just like browsing, looking for something that is like cute and welcoming and just fun that they can sit down and casually play, we want to offer that as well.
4: On top of that, too, like the the ideas of the magical girls universes, like togetherness and friendship and teamwork, we, that was able to influence our design of the whole game. So, like whenever we're coming up with new mechanics or something to do, it always goes back to togetherness and working together, and it's really helped influence the design of Starcrossed as well.
0: Fantastic. So, for folks who I don't know
4: might be listening to information <laughs> about this game but can't see it, describe a little bit of the gameplay. So. The gameplay, imagine, it's like a normal, it's like a classic arcade shooter, um, where you fly freely around the screen, but instead of shooting bullets, your weapon is actually bouncing between you and your partner, so you have to use your positioning on the screen to maneuver that weapon into your enemies, which requires a lot of you know, teamwork and being on the same page as your partner to make sure you're going <laughs> after the right enemies.
3: Yeah, and we also have a few other mechanics in there. We have a star boost, so when you um, hit the A button at the correct time, you can kind of give the star a little punch. It makes it go a little bit faster, and you also get a score multiplier. Um, If you're able to volley back and forth and get that timing right with your partner, you're able to charge an ultimate ability that you can use in the game as well.
0: So you are developers based out of New York, and telegame radio listeners would be familiar with some of your work, Francesca, (laughs) uh, with uh, Team Murder Squad. So how does it feel being in St. Louis as opposed to being in New York?
3: There has been like a phenomenal sense of community here. I mean, we're only here for the weekend, um, but it seems like there's so many local developers who are making really interesting things and it's great to see that sense of just like support and community at this event. We started this company while we were up in the Boston area, and there's a really great indie community up there. And since we've moved to New York City, we've met so many incredible developers, but we haven't really found those like really like monthly meetups that are like cozy spaces for people making indie games. I'm hoping in the future there will be more and more of that as the community grows, but it seems like St. Louis already has that, which is awesome.
4: How do you feel about Pixel Pop as an event? Oh, Pixel Pop has been wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've gotten so much good support here. Everyone who stopped by the booth and played Starcross, um, we've had phenomenal conversations with, yeah. and everyone is so—I don't know—everyone's so polite and friendly. <laughs> I just—I <laughs> love it here.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've we've been to like. We've been to PAX East with this game. It isn't a game that really looks like a lot of other games there, which is like a drawing point for some people and for other players who might not be interested in this sort of aesthetic, which is totally cool. Like, I don't expect this game to be for everyone. You know, people kind of are like, that's strange or weird. I don't know how I feel about this. And it's it's been really cool that I think everyone who's stopped by the table has been very like open-minded and very curious and like wanting to explore something that might look a little different from a lot of the other games they're currently playing at home.
0: You give a talk on the main stage at Pixel Pop. How how's the, your experience been speaking here?
3: Yeah, um, it was really great. I wasn't sure, since I've never been to this event before, I wasn't sure exactly what the audience would be like if it would be a lot of experienced developers or people who are really passionate about games and curious about developing them. So I gave a talk that was sort sort of like an intro overview to the world of game design and sort of best practices and skills that you want to cultivate to kind of be successful game designer it seemed like people learned things which is I guess that's 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 what I consider to be a successful talk um, that people got something out of it so that was great
0: great so where can folks find information about you information about StarCrossed if they're curious about what's going on
3: yeah, so if you're looking for uh, me, my, my personal work, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Chesky, that's C-E-S-C-H-I-I-I. Um, if you're interested in learning more about StarCrossed, we are at PlayStarCrossed or PlayStarCrossed.com.
4: My Twitter is at Mike MikeFleud, M-I-K-E-F-L-E-W-D. Um, and you can also follow our company um, at ContigoGames.com. Well, thanks a lot for your time, both of
0: you, and thanks for the awesome time playing StarCrossed.
4: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much.